You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted. By Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. It's Wednesday night, so you know what that means. Another episode of Shout, a Buffalo football podcast. We are back in your life. He's Ryan Talbot. I'm Matt Perino. It has been a few days off. Long weekend in Las Vegas. I got a little bit to say about that. It was kind of a cool experience. I'll get to that in a minute. We got a lot to talk about this week. Some storylines around the Bills. I want to take a spin around the AFC as well uh, and then talk a little bit, uh, begin uh, talking about this Tennessee Titans game on Monday Night Football Thank you so much for watching. Uh, if you're having a barbecue, tailgating, on a road trip to see your favorite team, wherever the football season finds you, make sure to stop at Tops for the best deals in town. From fresh meat to locally grown produce, Tops has everything you need and so much more for mealtime, snack time, or anytime. Tops at your table since 1962. Ryan Talbot, the table has been set. Take it away, my friend. How are you? I am doing great. You're right. Table's been set. It feels like it's been a while since we've uh, gotten together here. The the opening game on Thursday night. Now we have a Monday night or so a big gap between games, but really excited to kind of start digging in a little bit to this week two matchup. Obviously, we still have our preview show to come, but, uh, you know, a, a little bit of a, a pre preview, I suppose. Indeed. A lot to talk about with this team, like some of the news that has come out over the last couple of days. We've had some time now to really digest what happened last Thursday night. Gave you a lot of our immediate takeaways. And, you know, since then, I've I've gone back. I've rewatched the game, obviously seen the national narrative play out. So we can get into a lot of things um, uh, tonight in tonight's show. Also, I want I want to talk about the AFC as well. But I want to start with, with what I think is the most pressing issue of the day. And that is the status of Bill's defensive tackle at Oliver. If you remember back, he left the game against the Rams with an ankle injury. Um, Sean McDermott said on Friday, the day after that, it was still very sore. They were going to take it day by day. I opened up the press conference today and I said, what's the update on Ed Oliver is going to practice today. The answer was no. Sean McDermott said it was going to be a day-to-day situation. So looking at, you know, that and, and, there's still a few days before the Bills play on Monday Night Football, and that's the one benefit that the Bills have is they have some time here. But him not practicing the first day of the week, all eyes now shift to tomorrow, Ryan, when the Bills practice for the second time, probably the most intense practice of the week. It seemed like they were maybe in shells today, a little bit more uh, slow pace. So if Ed Oliver doesn't practice in any form tomorrow, I think that his status for Monday night is in real question. 
Yeah, today I would say that the panic level for the Bills Mafia should be at zero. You just mentioned it, kind of in shells, kind of a laid back deal. Uh, gives him a, an extra day to maybe rest up that ankle. But if he's on the uh, injury report again to, uh, tomorrow and he's not practicing whatsoever, that's when the concerns become a little bit more legitimate, Matt. And, you know, going into this game, there's never a good time to not have that Oliver. But when you're going against a Tennessee Titans team that likes to run the ball, that has Derrick Henry, uh, you want to be stout up front. So it, it's a game where you want Ed Oliver. It's a game where you want Tim Settle, uh, another player that uh, wasn't practicing today. So th- I get the concerns. They are valid concerns right now. But it, we're going to have a better picture on where the, the team is defensive tackle-wise uh, going into or following tomorrow's practice. I, I will say that maybe, Matt, the move to add Prince Amelie to the practice mm-hmm. squad where they already had two other defensive tackles Maybe that was something that should raise some eyebrows too. Obviously, they had two really good guys on that practice squad and Brandon Bryant and CJ Brewer that they both liked. Uh, but adding a third, you know, potentially that could mean that maybe something's in the works in terms of uh, playing one of them on Monday night. Well, right now with the status of Tim Settle, you mentioned uh, uncertain as well. And he was actually out at practice today. He didn't participate in anything. He kind of was just kind of standing off to the side with his position group at times. But I think that, you know, he's another guy that's been kind of banged up for a few weeks now. He played in the opener, uh, got healthy towards the end of the preseason. But that's something that I'm definitely keeping my eye on. And it's a situation where, sure, if you if you go into this week, you're about to begin preparation for the Titans, who obviously have Derrick Henry. They run the ball a lot. You want to make sure that you have as many, you know, weapons on your defensive line as you as you can find. And so I think adding Amelie to me is more of adding a body for practice. I mean, he's probably going to run mostly on the scout team in practice. And I think with Settle and Oliver out today, I'd imagine that Brandon Bryan, a guy that they really liked in training camp and then on to the preseason, somebody that I thought might get picked up when he was cut by the Bills. They, he didn't. They they got him back on their practice squad. Lucky for them because now he could be in a situation where they're going to probably call him up. We'll find out. I believe that's Thursday, if I'm not mistaken, call-ups for the week. But – it's a situation where, yeah, they're, they're going to have to get creative. If both Oliver and Settle are out, you have Shaq Lawson, Boogie Basham that can have some maybe flexibility, but they haven't done that to this point at all since they broke camp back in late July, right? Yeah, and, and you don't necessarily want to play one of those guys on the inside. You don't want to be undersized in a matchup like this. Obviously, they would have two really good defensive tackles still on the roster, even if Settle and Oliver couldn't go in Dequan and uh, Jones and obviously in Jordan Phillips, both players who made uh, you know impacts, especially Phillips in that first game uh, against the Rams. But we know Sean McDermott loves rotating his defensive tackles, his defensive ends, uh, his defensive line as a whole. So the Bills are going to have to have some other players waiting in the wings if one or both of those defensive tackles can't go. Brandon Bryant makes the most sense, like you said. Uh, he, he looked like he was a NFL roster caliber defensive tackle when we've been seeing him the last few years here in Buffalo uh, and, and someone that the Bills are really lucky to have back on their practice squad right now. You know, the Bills missing potentially two defensive tackles is is concerning against a run-heavy team. I agree. I think it's something that at this stage of the week, I feel like some people – some fans, when the, the news started percolating this morning after the signing of Amelie to the practice squad, it was almost like lessening the potential impact of not having Oliver. But don't get it twisted. I mean, if they don't have Oliver in this game, that's a huge component in the middle 
that they rely upon, especially in the run game, his ability to get off the line, to create some problems on the interior. And he's like versatile. They play him at the three tech. They play him at the one tech. He can kind of do a little bit of everything. Daquan Jones, go back and look, he's played a ton of snaps the other uh, last week. And to, to kind of flip around, I know it's 11 days, but to go against a physical team like the Tennessee Titans, kind of down a man or two and have to rely on some of these practice squad players as much as you like Brandon Bryan if you're the Bills, it's definitely concerning. Yeah, and it's it's a drop down. I mean, listen, there's there's not a lot of players on this roster that are at Oliver's caliber at defensive tackle and Tim Settle's uh, caliber. The Bills have a very good defensive tackle room, but players on a practice squad generally are a step down from players of that caliber, if not more. So it, it's a concern. It's something that we have to monitor tomorrow, the day after that. Uh, Daquan Jones, uh, someone I'm really looking forward to talking about a little bit more as we get closer to the game. I think he could be an X factor for this team, uh, but maybe we'll save that discussion for the preview show. Let's go to, there was a, a good comment here on Facebook. Why does Sean McDermott insist on limiting Devin Singletary's carries? And I think this is an, an interesting nuanced conversation because I don't necessarily know if it's as much about Singletary as it is about them really liking everything that they have in that room. And now when you spend a second round draft pick and Oh, by the way, James cook only got three uh, snaps in that game. He was not on the field. Obviously the fumble on his first NFL carry had a lot to do with it. And we'll get into that more in a little while, but you know, they like Zach Moss. He had a really good summer, uh, a guy that I, I think to this point, if you go back to the start of the off season and now has done a lot to earn a second chance or maybe a third chance if that's the way that you want to look at it. And I think that in the passing game, he's pretty reliable. I mean, he had six catches. I was joking around with Joe Biscaglia in the press box about uh, him being a PPR monster uh, because we've both been talking about him a lot throughout uh, training camp, how well, how good he's looked. I think it's more about that, but I do get the concerns at the same time, Ryan, because Singletary was so effective down the stretch last season. Yeah, and there's something to be said about riding the hot hand, and he was the hot hand last year, like you mentioned. He was the hot hand in that game against the Rams. He was averaging six yards per touch, uh, whereas Moss and Cook obviously did not have anywhere close to that level of success. Cook uh, mm -hmm. being taken off the field after the fumble, Moss having a very low average per carry. Now, you know, if you go back and watch the game, Moss had, I believe it was actually on a catch where it looked like he should have been stopped for a loss and he was able to get like a three or four yard gain out of it. Uh, he, he had some positives in his performance. So I, I get the frustration. I get uh, where it's coming from. And it's not necessarily even a McDermott decision. It, it's a Ken Dorsey decision. It's a personnel decision. Uh, I think that the Bills have a lot of confidence in Singletary and Moss as pass protection, as blockers for Josh Allen. And, and that's interchangeable. Uh, they don't want to be too predictable in that regard. They don't want to tire out Singletary. They want to have him fresh late in the game. Uh, with Cook, they want to probably have him in to use his speed, utilize that, use him as a potential pass catcher, and take a short pass the distance, something that he can do uh, because of that extra gear that he has that the other two backs don't. So like you said, it goes back to the Bills really liking all three of these guys. It goes back to what Ken Dorsey is most likely trying to game plan on a game-by-game -game basis. And, and it's probably a little bit too of, uh, Let's keep these guys fresh for when it really matters late in a game, especially if those games are close. No, I like everything that you said there. And I think that, you know, James Cook, for me, the one thing that really stu stuck out when you look at the um, box score after the game was like, 
Cook was supposed to be the weapon in the passing game. And it's almost like they they use Moss in that role. It was kind of puzzling. I mean, you can't really argue with the results. I mean, the way that they played offensively, the game that, you know, Ken Dorsey dialed up, I mean, everything was coming up roses for them. I mean, it, it, it all worked out really well. But I think that, I know he fumbled early on, but everything that Brandon Bean said when they drafted him was what he can mean to the passing game. And although the passing game was elite in that game, I think your your run after the catch opportunities increase substantially if it's Cook in the in that spot, and maybe he will be. And that kind of gets to my next kind of question topic I want to discuss. You know, start looking at what the Bills did with their inactives, right? Khalil Shakir, Shaq Lawson, Quentin Morris, and Tommy Doyle. You know, this week Quentin Morris and Tommy Sweeney they returned to practice. So with with what's going on, or um, Quentin Morris and who's the other Tommy one? Tommy Doyle. Said? Doyle, Tommy Doyle, Doyle, Do- oh, Doyle rules return to practice. So you figure that they might be in the mix. They might still be down, but what do you do with James Cook? A guy that really took a, a, a game day Jersey and didn't do a whole heck of a lot. Do you, do you foresee them keeping him active and trying to find more work for him, especially in the passing game and letting Moss and Singletary, you know, probably going to, have an uptick in uh workload in the run game against the tight Tennessee Titans front. Yeah. Right now I would still lean toward him being active, being part of the game day roster week two going forward. There, there's an argument to be said though about Khalil Shakir. Shakir was listed as the team's uh, top punt returner on their initial depth chart. He's someone that they could turn to if they struggle in that area. Now week one, Jameson Crowder did a great job. He fielded a few punts with the fair catch. He had one return that went for 21 yards, which in, in terms of a punt return, that's a very successful punt return for a, a player. Um, as long as he's handling that role, though, the, the Bills don't necessarily need that extra wide receiver on the roster. If the Bills have any issues going forward, however, that's where I think you can make the discussion that you get Shakir into the lineup, and maybe then it's James Cook who's the odd man out. Uh, maybe they go really light at a different area. Uh, they, they did have, you know, a few tight ends. They could go with just one tight end like they did in that playoff game and just go with Knox. It, it's going to be interesting to see how they mix and match these players, especially with some other guys coming back like Quentin Morris. I would assume Morris is active. He's the number two tight end in, in that game. Then maybe it's Sweeney that's brought down. You can obviously have Doyle up and, and put down whoever you have last on your depth chart. Uh, whether it's Bobby Hart or someone else get brought down for the game in week two. So a lot of interesting decisions to be had for this Bills team, Matt. Let's back up a little bit for a second. We were talking at uh, you know, the defensive line situation and and what they're what that's potentially gonna look like if Ed Oliver doesn't play in this game. You know, one thing that I think, you know, we spent some time on last week, but I think deserves a little bit more conversation here is how well specifically Boogie Basham and AJ Apinesa played in that game on Thursday night. I mean, it's one game sample size, but what you can I think extrapolate from those performances was the finishing ability of both of those guys, what they showed. And Sean McDermott said it today. It was like, listen, there's something to build on there, right? There's some momentum. You don't want to overreact to one game. But I put out a a stat, uh, I think it was on Monday. I was was rewatching the game and I kind of looked at some of the advanced stuff from Pro Football Focus. And again, Pro Football Focus, got to remember somebody else reached out to me. Their advanced metrics are usually different than pro football reference because, you know, they're, those two sites are, are watching the game. And if you think that um, Boogie Basham won a pass rush route or rep and you work for pro football focus and the guy from uh, or gal from pro football reference that watched it the same play and didn't think there was one. Well, then you're going to have kind of like a difference 
uh, in terms of numbers. But I was going off pro football focus and the numbers were pretty eye popping for Boogie Basham. He ranked fifth among defensive ends in week one in terms of pass rush win rate. That meant he he rushed, I think it was 20 pass rush snaps, 25% of the time he was winning on those snaps. That is big time production for a guy that had a sack, had an interception, had a couple splash plays, delivered in a big spot. If they get that, I mean, this is where I think the true excitement, going back to when we were talking about this during camp, during the offseason, this is where the real excitement is for this team. You got the quarterback, you have the offense, you have the back seven at every mm-hmm. spot. I mean, they're they're really good, especially when Trey White gets back. If this defensive line is going to bring that kind of consistent production and Boogie Basham and A.J. Appanessa have truly figured it out, this is a scary, scary defense, Ryan. Yeah, crazy scary. And, and you know, it goes back to someone else in the comments saying, does Lawson play because he's a threat uh, uh, in terms of, you know, stopping the run? We know what he can do, um, playing a little bit more versatility and what he can do as well throughout his career. But if Boogie, how do you take Boogie Basham off the field based on the sack and interception performance he had last week? He made the most of his limited reps. A.J. Apeneza, one and a half sacks, uh, was among the best in, in terms of the entire league in terms of the get-off time in week one, something he's been really good at throughout his career. It was a make-or-break year, and it is a make-or-break year for A.J. Apeneza, in my opinion, and he started out hot. I want to see him build upon that, so I don't. Mm-hmm. no way would I take him off the field anytime soon. Boogie Basham, you know, I, I thought he was a little ho-hum this summer. He had some moments here and there, lacked that consistency, but the way he played, you have to keep him out there, too. Uh, you said it, this entire defensive end room from top to bottom was out of this world. So it's going to be kind of hard to, to justify playing a, a Shaq Lawson in week two uh, over any of them. Maybe you, maybe they go active with all of them just because you know what, time, uh, what type of team you're going to be playing in the Titans. They're going to try to run the ball on you. They're going to try to uh, maintain possession. They're not that explosive type of offense. So that's a possibility, but yeah, I, I was very encouraged, Matt, from what I saw from every defensive end on this roster. Good stuff from Mark over on Facebook, uh, Mark Zilawaski. Do you guys think we will go more 4-3 than nickel this week? If that's the case, who gets the playing time as the third linebacker? Uh, I think the guy that's probably in line for that role when it does come up is Tyrell Dotson. I know that they really like Terrell Bernard, but I think Dotson is is probably somebody that Maybe they trust more or maybe they do want to get a look at Bernard and, you know, kind of throw him out there, maybe mix him in. If you go back and I just brought it up. If you go back and look at the t- Titans game last year, the Bills played basically all uh, nickel in that game. A.J. Klein had three defensive snaps. So historically, they haven't done it. But Derrick Henry was an absolute beast in that game. So they might want to flip the script a little bit. I think it comes down to, Ryan, how much do you trust your front to get pressure, to get hits on Derrick Henry behind the line of scrimmage, at the line of scrimmage, especially potentially with Ed Oliver out. I think maybe we could maybe see some more mix and match. But as we get talking about it, I do think it'll be interesting and a storyline coming out of that game where they go with that third linebacker, linebacker look when they do flash it. Yeah, so uh, I'm in agreement with you. I don't think that they go heavy 4-3, anything like that. They might play more 4-3 snaps than they did one year ago. Uh, Tyrell Dodson, I think when he's been on the field in his career, at least in my opinion, he's fared very well. He's looked the part. He's maybe the more physical of the options that you could play at that linebacker position. Bernard, you can get in there on 4-3 looks, especially if you want to use him as a blitzer, uh, utilize him in that regard. He has more explosiveness, more speed. 
uh, can do a little bit more for you in that regard. So I could see them being kind of inter, you know, interchangeable between Dodson and Bernard. I, I would be intrigued to see how that finally shakes out. But I think the Bills, for the most part, are going to try to stick with that their base of what we've seen over the years, just like they did last year. Now, if Henry picks up big chunks of yards like he did last year, three touchdowns in that game, they might have to adjust on the fly. But uh, I feel like the Bills are very confident in the defensive line right now, even if they go in a little bit banged up in the middle with Oliver, with Settle, uh, because of what they have in Jones, because of what they have in Jordan Phillips and what they have with all those defensive ends. Yeah, and somebody said that mentioned it, which I think is you know fair that you know Henry had the one big seventy plus yard run, mm-hmm. and that was a big piece of his production. That's definitely fair, but he also was an absolute monster in the red zone, and they couldn't stop him, especially in the second half down the stretch. And you, you just got to be physical, and I think that's a, a big reason. I mean, you, you know, you want to save it and talk about it uh, in the preview show, which we can. But I think that's a big reason they brought in DeQuan Jones to add that physical presence on the inside. I can't remember. If Star played in that game, actually, let me bring this up. Uh, Star Latulale played 30 snaps last year. And I mean, okay. listen, I don't want to, we, we've talked plenty about Star Latulale and his ineffectiveness last season. But if you want to talk about setting a physical tone, that guy was never really going to be the guy to do it. And I think having Jordan Phillips in the middle and Daquan Jones and, you know, Ed, if he's healthy, it will help out quite a bit. Yeah, Jones was brought in specifically to to kind of take on two offensive linemen the way that Ed Oliver was being double teamed last year. Uh, I think that's Jones's ideal role for this team is to clog up the middle, make it so the linebackers can run free, make it that Oliver and defensive ends. Uh, life's a little bit easier for them. So he does help in that regard. He also helps in the regard that he's a former Titans player. I know last year he was with the Panthers, uh, but he spent about four seasons in Tennessee. So he knows a lot of the tendencies of the defensive lineman. He knows a lot of the tendencies of the offensive lineman. Uh, I think that's something that's very valuable going into a game like this, especially against a Titans team that's been a thorn in Buffalo's side. Von Miller was only with the Rams for half of a season, and I really feel like he helped prepare uh, Josh Allen in the offense in terms of, hey, listen, they're going to get after you guys fast in terms of the game plan of they got to get the ball out in under 2.75 seconds on average, or you've mm-hmm. got to do this or that. And, and it helps on both sides of the ball in terms of even letting um, you know his teammates know like what worked well against some of the offensive linemen that he practiced against in those eight weeks that he was there. And you saw the success that they had. So having someone that was with the team Fairly recently, under that coaching staff, under that regime, knows a lot of the players. I really think Jones can be an X factor for this team this week, and we can really go into detail more about it uh, in our preview show. And you know who also, we could go in more detail in the preview show on this, who might also be a really big help for that defensive line? Roger Saffold. I mean, you want to yeah. talk about the success they had, they've had over the last couple of seasons running against the Bills? Saffold's been one of the big reasons why. I mean, he, he's kind of, you know, veered off a little bit. Um, you know, his his production as a pass blocker over the last couple of years, but he's sustained pretty well as a run blocker. And I think just having those two guys in the room to kind of share what what's happening. And also, this is a team, the Titans, that are coming off of a really just a bad performance. I mean, they look like they look like a team that made a really stupid offseason decision to trade their best player on offense, who, who I think was AJ Brown. I mean, oh yeah, you could probably make the argument for Derrick Henry. Listen, he's probably the best running back when healthy in the league. But I thought the most important piece to that offense was AJ Brown. Remember in the second half, AJ Brown's the one that got them going in that game. Listen, we're getting we're putting the car before the horse here, Ryan. We're getting we're, we're, <laughs> we're dialing this thing up. We're getting we're getting in the preview stuff here. I know you said that you want to do uh, save some of that, so I, I, I apologize. 
Yeah, no, no worries. But I, I'm in complete agreement. They rolled the dice thinking we don't want to pay AJ Brown, despite him being an absolute monster for them and being a, one of the most promising young receivers in this league. And they said, we can trade him away, get a first round pick and take one of these wide receivers in this draft class. that was really hyped up in Burks and, you know, Burks had a little bit of a, a rough summer, up and down summer. doesn't mean that he's not going to end up being a star. Maybe two, three years from now, uh, you look back and say, oh, you know, it was a great pick. It was a great move on their part. They had him on a cost control contract. You had Robert Woods to that offense. But uh, I feel like that roster is more win now than win later. And to give up your your top receiver, uh, someone that could help you win now, coming off of a season where you were the number one seed in the AFC, it's a very risky gamble for them because I don't think there's a lot of longevity left with Henry, with Tannehill, with a lot of key pieces on this roster. You know where there's absolutely no risk, Ryan? There is Where's just that? reward when you get over to tops right Ooh. now. Falling leaves and crisp with weather means it's our favorite time of the year. Tailgate season. And you can win the ultimate tailgate accessory from tops just by purchasing brands you already love. Now, through October 29th, every time you use your tops bonus plus card to purchase participating brands like Pepsi, Campbell's, Smithfield, and so many more, you're automatically entered for a chance to win a tailgate and go kitchen. For the ultimate tailgating experience, head over to topsfriendlymarkets.com uh, uh, and you'll get more d- details. And it is tailgate season, Ryan Talbot, because the biggest tailgate of the season so far is going to happen on Monday night. Yes, it is. And the Bills fans are ready. They had to uh, make a few of the Orchard Park schools get half days on Monday because they, they're afraid of what the roads are going to look like with the fans getting there nice and early tailgating. The Bills Mafia is ready, Matt. It's going to be loud there. Uh, you know, they made the Rams go to a silent count in Los Angeles. Just imagine how loud they're going to be at home, uh, at the stadium. It's going to be a crazy environment. Can't wait to see how it unfolds. I really think that the Bills can kind of uh, get past some of these issues that they've had with the Titans in the past few seasons. Indeed. And uh, and uh, correction, I misspoke. I love saying Tops Friendly Markets. I mean, it's, it goes back to my youth. It's just topsmarkets.com. So get over to topsmarkets.com. Hook yourself up uh, with all the details. Uh, check out their ad. Uh, you, you'll, you'll go from there. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast. Hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, what's the status of Eli Anku and Justin Zimmer? Not Zimmerman. Eli Anku was uh, released with an injury settlement. Uh, he was still dealing with, I think that lower body injury. I don't know where he's at in that. If he, if he's in the mix, I think the fact that they, they resigned Prince Amelie tells you that Anku is not anywhere close to being able to be, to be productive and play. Uh, and Zimmer, I, I've not heard anything on Zimmer. I know you had a relationship maybe with somebody, one of his representatives. I don't know if you've heard anything, but I've heard nothing. Yeah, Zimmer is still rehabbing from an injury that he suffered last season. He's not uh, quite ready to play yet. Uh, I have not heard if the the Bills are interested in bringing him back or vice versa. I would think that he would be a very good potential practice squad candidate when he is ready to go. Uh, Someone that the team has a lot of trust and a lot of faith in. 
uh, undersized defensive tackle, but a you know motor guy, someone that can provide some big plays. Eli uh, Anku, I, I think there is a rule, Matt, that when you release someone with an injury designation too, you have to wait a certain amount of time before you can even mm. bring them back. So uh, even if he was healthy, I don't think the Bills can bring him back for a set amount of time. They they can eventually bring him back, and and I have to brush up on all the NFL rules. But there was one player that the Bills fans were asking about, and they literally had to wait a few, and it was a few years ago, so maybe the rule changed. A uh, set amount of weeks before they could even re-sign him because of that settlement that was uh, agreed to. Speaking of signings, uh, big news this week, Jordan Poyer and the Bills, Jordan Poyer's representatives and the Bills came to terms on new details to his current contract. And and based on reports, uh, Poyer uh, had some in- incentives up to $1.5 million uh, added to his current deal. Of course, this is the final deal, deal or year of his deal. Initial thoughts, Ryan, on the fact that this was kind of what we were always assuming would be the likeliest outcome, getting him more money in 2022. And then it kind of does both sides the favor of, okay, we'll see maybe down the road in the offseason if we come to terms on a deal, if maybe the market out there isn't as booming as I think Poyer and his team are hoping, or you know, Poyer does kind of hit it big and, and sign a big free agent deal. Yeah, this is exactly what we've been talking about the past few weeks. It's a way to give him more money now to kind of show uh, goodwill toward a player that's been a key cog to your defense since he joined the team in 2017. So you give him these uh, very attainable goals, so to speak, so he can get these other bonuses, get a little bit more money this year, just because of where they are with the salary cap, where they are with some other younger players that are probably higher priority for them. Um, It's a way for them to say, we're giving you more money now. We can reevaluate this relationship in the offseason. Like you said, because of his age, uh, maybe maybe the market won't be so hot for him. I, I, I feel like the safety market, Matt, in general, is usually something where they don't break the bank very often unless you're talking about a very young player that you would consider to be a cornerstone of the team, like with the Chargers, like what, um, you know, Fitzpatrick has done in his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're in the prime of your career, it's a little bit different. And Poyer is still outstanding coming off of an all pro year, but you have to consider age. You have to consider a lot of things. I think maybe uh, the, the two sides can then reevaluate in the offseason and, and maybe agree that they're both best for one another. Yeah. And I think the one thing that if I'm, if I'm thinking from Poyer's perspective of the, Oh, there it is. I can hear the regular train the season down. train. There Woo! it is. Gets the people going. That's right. If your if your Poyers camp and and, and Rosenhaus came out in one of his his statements that he gave and said this was one of the most complicated you know um, negotiations he's been a part of, um, and that says a lot. Knowing how many contracts Drew Rosenhaus has worked on in the NFL, but I think it's a situation where the selling point of Poyer might not necessarily be all right. You're paying for ne- the next three years of elite production. You're in, in a way paying for him to come in and ch- help change your culture. That's one of the pieces that I think he brings to a potential new team. Look at a, a team like the Giants. Their secondary is an absolute mess. As they go through the course of the season, if Joe Shane can kind of do the, you know, the, the patchwork on that roster to free up some space, I think looking at a guy like Poyer and giving him 25-ish million dollar guaranteed money that's enough to woo him over and it's i think that's a a price tag that you can live with if you're the giants because you know what he's going to do in terms of helping set the 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 culture in the room 
Yeah, and, and listen, it's what the Bills did in 2017 when they signed more so Micah Hyde at that point because Jordan Poyer was more of a wild card. Uh, the Bills did their homework on him, knew what kind of player he could be, but a lot of fans weren't familiar with Poyer's upside. And I don't think anyone imagined him becoming the player that he is now first team all pro but Hyde coming out of a green bay someone that uh, could help change the culture someone that had never missed the playoffs up to that point he's only missed it one time now in his entire career players like that are very valuable when you are rebuilding your franchise and and rebuild's not the right word because rebuild's like when you tear it down to the studs when you're trying to change the culture when you feel like you have enough pieces to start competing uh, a, a veteran like Poyer here and there splashed on the roster, two or three spots, a special teams contributor that you can add in like the Bills did with Taiwan Jones. Little things like that go a long way in turning your roster from we're close to a contender into a contender and then maybe into a championship type team. Mark Robbins on YouTube uh, joke that that was definitely not the Cody Ford train. Uh, sorry, Matt. In, re- in, re- in reference to the Olean train that was yes. uh, honking its horn on the way through. So very fair. Very fair, Mark. Great super chat. It was indeed a great Rex Ryan tweet. Why don't you fire it off for us, uh, Ryan? I'll see if I yeah. can actually find it. Sure thing. I'll look it up too. But yeah, you know, every now and then you get those media releases and some of them really make you laugh or make you smile. And this one was about Rex Ryan teaming up with Dr. Scholes. Uh, We've learned over the years about Rex Ryan. He is not shy about his love for feet. Uh, So I went out there and I kind of uh, screenshotted the, the press release. Like I said, I hope it made you guys chuckle as much as it did me. I'm so in it, you know, Rex, Rex Ryan goes, Two things are for certain. I know football and I know feet. And Dr. Scholes ended up calling him a self-proclaimed foot expert. So, you know, when, when you have these kind <laughs> of, uh, I don't know if you want to call it, what you want to call it, but he's leaning into it at least. He's not shy about it. He's getting some uh, money off of it now with this partnership. So good on Rex Ryan, I suppose. It uh, definitely made me smile tonight when I was sent that uh, press release for sure. Rex Ryan's such a funny, uh, funny character. Um, just his career arc and like the the success he's having even post debacle in Buffalo. I mean, as a commentator, I mean, he's on uh, a, a lot of the NFL programming pregame. I think it's on ESPN. I've seen him making appearances on podcasts, the Pat McAfee yeah. show recently. So Rex Ryan, I mean, for all the jokes that can be made about him as a head coach, uh, he's really kind of parlayed into a nice uh, post-coaching career. Yeah, he's going to be on Amazing Race this season. Uh, He's doing a little bit of everything. So he's still in demand when it comes to TV shows, media appearances. So, you know, the the head coaching thing, it it started out hot. It wasn't ended up being something that uh, was necessarily what he was meant to do. But I think now this is this is exactly up his alley. He is he's perfect for the media and he's doing a great job with it. Speaking of uh, perfect. Uh, there were some AFC teams that looked perfect this week, including mm. the Bills, obviously. But on Sunday, uh, there were some outstanding performances. And I think I want to take a, a bit of a jaunt around the AFC to kind of put this into perspective. And who are now after one week, and of course, it's you know um, super hyperbolic to re- react to one week of NFL football. But why not? It's a Wednesday night after week one. And why not be a little bit? crazy. So I want to talk about some of the performances that really stood out and maybe, you know, eliminate 
not, I don't want to say eliminate, but let's let's really zero in who we think are the primary contenders now in the AFC with the Bills. Uh, I'll let you start. I don't think it's going to be a, a surprise with who you start with, but we'll go one by yeah. one, and here we go. Yeah, I have to go with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you know, the big question about the Chiefs going into this season was, what's the offense going to look like without Tyree Kill? They didn't miss a beat. Uh, the offense was great. Patrick Mahomes was outstanding. He was spreading the ball around. You saw more from Clyde Edwards Hilaire that you had seen in a while. A lot of young players on that defense, and it didn't look like it in that matchup against the Cardinals. Uh, they were very good against the Arizona Cardinals offense, forced a lot of throwaways, a lot of bad passes. You know, there's a fourth and two play where Kyler Murray ended up throwing the ball away, not even putting it in play uh, just because of how impressive some of those players were on the defensive side of the ball. So uh, I feel like the Chiefs, after one week at least, they look like the real deal. They're still going to be that team that uh, the Bills might be on a collision course with heading into the playoffs. You can obviously tell me if you agree with that, but I would love to hear who you have at number two as well. Yeah, so I totally agree. That's the first team that you got to mention here. Um, The Chiefs looked... Dominant, and I think that game, as good as the Chiefs look, I think it said a little bit more about the Cardinals than it did about the Chiefs and like where they're at. But you still have to come in, you have to execute, you have to make all those new parts work. And here's the thing, and here's why I think no matter who Patrick Mahomes has 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 to throw the ball to, he's got one of the best offensive lines in football. I actually did a little bit of a a research going into the game as I was writing my preview to kind of get a sense on, all right, how good is this Rams offensive line this Bills D-line was going to face? And, you know, the more and more I looked into it, I mean, people were trying to sell me on Joe Noteboom. And I just, I did not buy the hype. I mean, we talked about this. I remember doing an article a couple of years ago when he was going to enter free agency before the Rams kind of figured things out with him. And people were like, man, at times he, he's kind of been a little bit of a turnstile. So I, I was expecting that dominant performance on that right side of the Bills defensive line like Von Miller had and some other players. But every article that I found and a lot of like premium subscription stuff, we're talking about ESPN, The Athletic, Kansas City Chiefs are one or two when it comes to offensive line. Yeah, They have an outstanding offensive line all the way across. And you're talking about Everybody's going to be talking about Josh Allen and and Patrick Mahomes when those two teams play. But this defensive line for the Bills and that offensive line for the Chiefs, that to me is worth the price of admission. That is going to be a chess match all game long about, all right, Chris Jones is good. He's had his success against the Bills before, but I think Josh Allen has climbed that hurdle. He's proved that, you know, especially with uh, Melvin Ingram not there anymore, he's probably going to have a chance to do really well against that Chiefs defense. Patrick Mahomes is dealing with a new look Bills defensive line, but he does have that great offensive line in front of him. Yep, and as long as, you know, if the Bills continue to perform the way they did, though, it'll be a very interesting matchup. Obviously, you need to see consistency from both units. Uh, The Chiefs do have some real star power on their offensive line, though, that have already kind of proven themselves from last year, like a guy like Humphrey um, to to some of the other veterans that they have on that line, too. So uh, the the Bills' defensive line, as long as they continue to step up, though, that's going to be one of the, the key matchups in their regular season matchup. And then, obviously, if they face off in the playoffs once again. This was tough because I've been, I've remained high on Cincinnati throughout the offseason. And, you know, I know a lot of people thought, you know, the Super Bowl hype. And, you know, I, I said, oh, well, they went out and they got Lyle Collins. They, they, they addressed some things on their offensive line. They bring in um, Alex Kappa in free agency. They, uh, they, they brought in Ted Karras, the former offensive lineman for the Patriots. And I was like, listen, these are a lot of moves that I think they needed to make. Jonah Williams, a couple of years off of that uh, ACL, I believe it was. They're, they're getting healthy. They're getting right on their offensive line. 
it didn't look like that mattered at all no. against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I, of course, that's one of the premier tandems in the league when you're talking about TJ Watt and Cam Hayward. Don't get me wrong. Like, that's a tough week one matchup. But Joe Burrow looked off. He looked, uh, he was under pressure all game long. I tweeted it. So they can't be this team for me right now. They've dropped. And the team that showed up week one in a tough battle against another team that's going to be better, for me, it's the Los Angeles uh, Chargers. I mean, Justin Herbert is. You know, if we're t- if we're tearing it up, right? If we if we do tier systems, and we're talking about who are the best quarterbacks, I'm at the point now where I'm comfortable putting. You know, going into the season, I probably would have put four in that top tier: Brady, Rogers, Allen, and Mahomes. Herbert's in that tier. It's the bottom line. Yeah, no, I don't really argue with that, and I, I know that Bro is pretty bad in, in uh, week one, but I wouldn't be shocked if by the end of this season, mid season, he could even be in the mix for that just because of mm-hmm. uh, what we've seen from him, what we saw from him in his college career. But no, I think that he's the real deal, Matt. I, that was my n- choice for number two as well with the Chargers. And and listen, we know Justin Herbert's a star. They have Austin Eckler. They have really good receivers. I love the defense. I, I love what they did this offseason. UB alum, Khalil Matt comes in three sacks mm. in his debut. You have Bosa. You have Derwin James. They have a lot of stars. We're not talking about. Side of the oh, we're not talking about UB Bulls right now, Ryan. After that hail mary <laughs> on Saturday. All right, Too fair soon. enough. Fair <laughs> enough. But you know they are looking legit on both sides of the ball. They were right there in the hunt for the playoffs last year. Obviously lost in uh, in that last game to the Raiders. But there were a lot of Bills fans last year, Matt. If you remember, saying, "Man, if there's one team I don't want to face." In that first round of the playoffs, it's the Chargers because of the star power Mm -hmm. that they had. Even if they were coming to Buffalo in that game, there's just so much talent. So if they can really get it together, if if their head coach takes the next step in in his development in in that role, uh, I think that they could be a very scary threat in the AFC. Yeah, whenever you're talking about a guy that could go blow for blow with your quarterback, like if you're a Bills fan, Josh Allen obviously could play against anybody in in this league and win a shootout, right? But Herbert's in that conversation as a guy that he proved it last year. I mean, some of those fourth down plays in that Raiders game were just absolutely insane. And so the question I do have and why I wouldn't consider putting them above the Chiefs is that their position players tend to get banged up quite a bit. I mean, Keenan Allen, it seems like he's always dealing with some type of nagging injury. Not that all guys aren't. I mean, Diggs, Diggs does it. I mean, Tyree Kill has had his issues over the seasons. I mean, you play a, a tough position. That's That's what tends to happen. Uh, Mark says that he was surprised how, uh, how bad the Raiders looked. I didn't, I think there was, there's a lot to get under control early on for Josh McDaniels. A you're installing your offense that has never had to be installed with a veteran, like proven commodity before, right? Like Mm -hmm. he's run it with Tom Brady. When he tried to take it to Denver, it, it failed. When he came back and you know, it's worked with, for some other guys, but I, I'd, I'd make the argument that, you know, it was decent at times last year, but as a whole, I don't know if it necessarily even worked last year. I don't think it's worked much since Brady's been gone. So, you know, he's going to have to figure out who he can be with a new offense. They have pieces. They have Devontae Adams. They have Darren Waller. But figuring out how all of this works together under the the, the McDaniels umbrella, it's going to probably take some time. Yeah, there's the transition with the new offense. There's the fact that the Raiders offensive line just was not good in that game. Uh, and the it handcuffs what you can do if your offensive line can't hold up. Now, are they going to see guys like Bosa and Khalil Mack every week? No. Uh, and they should get better as the year goes on. The offense should become a little bit smoother for Carr uh, and, and Adams and company. But it, there's some growing pains that the Raiders will be going through, Matt. 
let's try to agree on the next team. We'll say it at the same time. Whatever you think your your third team is, one, two, three. Baltimore, Baltimore Ravens. Ravens. Look at us. Look at us. Now, you know, caveat, they went against the Jets. And and, uh, I get that um, the Jets are the Jets. They went against Joe Flacco on defense. But I I thought that Lamar Jackson looked good. I thought that if there was one roster last year that was just absolutely uh, depleted because of injuries, it was the Ravens. I think that they have talent on both sides of the ball. Uh, Lamar can be a little bit of a wild card at times as a passer. He has his days where he's, he's a little inaccurate. But when he's on, he's on. Uh, we know mm-hmm. how dangerous he is with his legs. We saw him in the playoffs a few years ago uh, come back against the Titans in a game where they were down early. We know that he can win in that setting. So uh, they're a team that I'm really interested to watch as the season progresses. Uh, the wide receivers, um, you know, Bateman had some moments. Duvernay's stepped up a little bit. They're still missing some talent there, but we also know that they have about four or five really good tight ends. They have some running backs that they're going to be uh, adding into the mix, obviously not Dobbins in week one, but he'll get out there. They have Drake that they uh, signed after he was released by the Raiders. So there's talent on both sides of the ball in Baltimore, and they're always a uh, potential headache in the regular season and in the playoffs. Look at, look at my wife ratcheting it up over here on YouTube <laughs> with uh, with the comments here. The simultaneous Baltimore Ravens gave me chills. Well done. Um Buff Hub, our good buddy over at Rumblings, uh, need to hear Matt sing Sweet Caroline. I don't know if that's really in my repertoire at the moment. I could probably knock it out, but I think he's referring to this because uh, Jay Spence, the king, has put together uh, quite a weekend here coming up uh, on Friday nights uh, over at the Heights. I'm actually heading out there. Uh, it was raffled off as part of a charity event, uh, all proceeds going to Jay Spence's Aunt Pearl, who yes. was tragically lost in the Buffalo shooting earlier this year, you know, everything that all the donations that they take in go to where it goes to. But as soon as I heard about the event, I was talking to Spence and I was, I was really excited to get involved, but the, the event actually is going and singing, doing a little karaoke uh, on Friday night. And here's the, here's the rub. If you will, I don't get to pick my song, Ryan Talbot. Okay. Somebody else is picking, picking the song. Uh, It's in honor uh, and memory of Pearl Young um, there. So you're going to want to get out there. A lot going on. I mean, the, it, you can find the details over on Jay Spence uh, Twitter profile. It's at the Heights. Uh, I will be getting there at 8 p.m. So if you want to come out, hang out, chat a little bills, listen to me embarrass myself, it'll be a fun time. Yeah, sounds like a good time. Can't wait to find out what song was chosen for you. Uh, should be a good night. Great cause. Uh, lo- love Jay Spence. So hope it's a raving success. Raving success. The Ravens being the third team we were talking about will probably end there. Listen, I think I think the Bengals are in the mix for sure. I mean, they're, they're a team one. that they they have they have that playoff success now, that playoff experience. You know, they've they've had a couple good wins. They've had obviously the ultimate disaster in the Super Bowl where they were up in the second half and you know gave up the the late comeback to to Matthew Stafford and company. So that's something that you can lean upon going forward and they have pieces on both sides of the ball. You know, I really like Trey Hendrickson. If he could be the same player he was a year ago, you need a pass rusher, you need a quarterback, you need playmakers. I'm ready to say it, Ryan Talbot. I think Jamar Chase 
and Justin Jefferson are one A and B, whichever way you want to shake that out, whichever one you think is better. They are literally the best two wide receivers in the NFL. And I don't think it's a, a, a conversation at this point, but the reason I go with Baltimore over Cincy still is because I think that they're deeper on both sides of the ball. I think they know who they want to be. I think because of the way that Lamar plays the game and the way they structure their offense, they're always going to be in close games. They play good defense. They force turnovers. And of course, it was against the Jets. You don't want to overreact to that. There's certainly question marks with Lamar Jackson. If you force him to play in the pocket, if you force him to kind of extend plays and you have help when, you, when you're kind of defending him at that, you know, right past the line of scrimmage. But I just think that they're a team that really knows who it is and if and if the offensive line, the changes made for in Cincinnati don't click, don't work, that's a big problem. The Ravens are getting Ronnie Staley back. He's one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL, yeah. and it comes down to Trent's play, and that's why I kind of give the slight nudge to the Ravens. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And there's been more longevity with the Ravens in terms of success. We know what Harbaugh has done when they've been healthy, when they've uh, been able to stay atop that division, compete for playoff spots, when, especially when that division was very strong when – uh, you, you obviously had the Steelers when they were playing really good football a few years ago. The Ravens were always hanging around. They're always right there in the mix. We, we know what they can do. We know what Lamar Jackson can do. So they get the nod right now over the Bengals. But the Bengals are my number four team, even though they, they did not end up winning uh, last week. I thought that the way that they fought and came back, the fact that they had a, a touchdown to Jamar Chase that they didn't challenge uh, and they should have. Uh, could have had a whole difference in the game. The fact that they didn't, they lost their holder, that obviously played a, a big role in the outcome too because they had some chip shots that normally that kicker, uh, McPherson, would make in a heartbeat. So uh, I still think there's a lot of talent on that team. They're going to be right there in the mix this season as well. Right. Uh, speaking of which, karaoke night, 8 to 12 a.m. at the Heights, 3148 Main Street. Uh, proceeds to be donated to Good Samaritan Church in honor of the memory of Pearl Young. Uh, I'm so excited to see a ton of Bills fans uh, celebrate uh, Pearl's uh, life in, in a really cool way, uh, bringing everybody together for a cool event. And we'll have some fun and everybody can make fun of me after. Um, should be good. Sounds like a great time. I, I can't wait to hear all about it. Well, you're going to hear all about it, Ryan Talbot, and you're you're going to hear uh, all about hot to go, fresh, large cheese and pepperoni pizzas, 14 bucks, jumbo chicken wings, 10 count. 14 bucks tops is legendary breakfast pizza. Get a large for 20 bucks pizza or taco log, six count, seven sixty nine. baby back rib sections, five 99 a pound plus subs, sandwiches, wraps, apps, sides, and so much more. Get over to topsmarkets.com slash red zone for the complete menu of ready to enjoy fan favorites. You are going to want to get stocked up for Monday night, the bills and the Tennessee Titans in a rematch from last year's Monday night game, uh, which obviously ended in devastating fashion for the bills. Uh, I have a feeling it'll go a little bit differently. Uh, final thought, Ryan Talbot, send us out of here. Yeah. Final thought, looking forward to getting back out there with the bills mafia. When we do our preview show here in a few days, uh, stay locked into nyupsyracuse.com for all the latest bills news. We will have you covered. You going to come out for the Monday night game. I'm on the fence about that one. I'm definitely coming out for the Steelers. Uh, I'll be coming out for the Packers for the home games. Uh, those are two on my horizon here for the near future. Obviously, we're heading up Detroit for Thanksgiving. Some deep dish Detroit pizza on our horizon, Matt. I know you're getting excited. Uh, so, yeah, th there's definitely a few. We got to work out the plan for that. We got to work out the plan for that. Like, 
I, I was talking to uh, Jay Skursky, I think, who's going to be riding the car with us. He was thinking about leaving about 12 p.m. on uh, Wednesday. So we'd get into town about 5. What do you think about that? Right in time for a little pizza dinner. That's right. Does that get, does that get Talbot going? Is that early enough for you, buddy? Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. I mean, I would argue maybe it's not <laughs> enough time in Detroit, you know? Everyone, no, I'm just kidding. It's more than enough time in Detroit. So, yes, that listen, is perfect. Listen, what I might do is I'll, maybe I'll just get you a flight booked for, like, Saturday. Spend the day in Detroit. Me and Jay will drive back after the game. We'll get back to spend Thanksgiving uh, night with our family. You can just spend the weekend there. Make a weekend. I don't care. See the sights. Yeah, Sight there's, a lot to do in, there's a lot to do in Detroit. I'm sure. <laughs> for Ryan Talbot, <laughs> I'm Matt Perino. We will be back in a couple of days. Uh, preview show Friday or Saturday night. I'm not sure yet. We'll talk that through. Uh, have a great rest of your week and weekend, everybody. Uh, talk to you soon. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.